Well, hello everyone. Hi. Hello. Good morning, or evening, wherever you are. <laughs> this is a, an I'll Try That podcast, I guess kind of old school approach, where we're actually physically in the same room. New for me, first time. That's true. It, it's been a while since yeah. we've all been looking at each other face to face. I'm it's like rubbing my eyes. I'm wondering why I haven't got a hat on. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Need to join the hat game. Uh, yeah. yeah did, um, not, did not get the memo. Uh, yeah, but I've got a woolly hat with a bobble. That's true. Yeah. Um, Save that for later. I look a damn fool now. Well, it's it's nice, obviously, sat in the same room. Got uh, obviously Richard and uh, and Barbara. First, can, first one for you. You can feel the podcasting pedigree. It's there. That's here at the moment. Of course, we are missing uh, young Simmons, who's in uh, Australia still. But we've replaced him with our our greyhound mascot, Rolly. Yeah, he's currently just lounging across the sofa, uh, not really contributing in any way, so not really putting his weight. There's a raise of one eyebrow there. I think that's about as much of a, a chip in as we're going to get at this point. <laughs> but, so yeah, so this week it's uh, obviously we're back in. There'll be a few of these recordings coming uh, over the next couple of weeks uh, where we'll be here. So hopefully, uh, you know, we'll have remembered how to do the proper setup and the editing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Don't make any promises. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> and now for some pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness. Hi there, and welcome to the I'll Try That podcast. This week we are heading over back over to Asia, but we're heading to Vietnam this time, uh, and we're going to be visiting the East West Brewing Company. Uh, to try three of their beers. But first, I'll hand over to Joe, and he's going to be bringing us the hop topic. Thank you, Rich. Nice. So this week, um, you know, we're heading back up to Scotland, you know, because we know, as it's well documented, the Scots make fantastic beer. Too right. And haggis. And haggis. And, and whiskey. And kilts. Oh, but not, kilts. But for me, not bagpipes. Oh, yeah, I mean, okay. I think they're good quality, but I, I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> I really hate them. So uh, we're going to talk about something we all love, though. Beer. Bingo. It's, it's Bingo. okay. <laughs> what, a, what, what beer are we talking about? So we are talking about an iron brew oh. sour beer. Sour? Oh, I thought you said salmon, because that would be Scottish too. <laughs> yeah, An iron brew salmon beer. Well, iron brew is the quintessential Scottish drink, right? Yeah. You know, it outs- it's the most popular drink in Scotland. Um, and, you know, if you look at like a heat map of like where the number one soft drinks are around, you know, sold in each country, iron brew is, it, most of them like, you know, the UK and America, it's like Coca-Cola or Coke or Pepsi derived products that are around the world, the most popular. And then you look up at Scotland and it is iron brew. I like that. Oh, go on. No, I was going to say, what I, what I really enjoyed was I visited Scotland last year in October. It was the first time I'd been there in like a while. But all I remember was as soon as you were driving up, Iron Brew nowhere. As soon as you got over the border, Iron Brew was everywhere. And I, I purposely went, I'm like, oh, I've, I've, just, I've just got to do it. I've just got to do it. So then for the next week, all I drank was Iron Brew because I think it's great. I like that imagery of the heat map of, of soft drinks over the world and then just that very distinct barrier and then Scotland's in bright orange. It is, yeah. <laughs> quite literally. Because that's it, like iron brew is a very distinctive colour, isn't it? It's that orange, it's, it's very luminous almost. And it's quite literally like when you pour out the liquid, it is that luminous orange almost. But um, yeah, very distinctive uh, distinctive taste. So this um, 
This Iron Brew Sour Beer has been made in Edinburgh by Vault City. Nice. So they're a craft brewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've, it's a 5.5% ABV beer. And it was sold out almost immediately of going live um, ahead of, uh, of its release on Burns Night. Yeah, that's like, I mean, it's almost a bit obvious, isn't it? They've kind of just gone, I mean, it's, why didn't anyone think of it before? Everyone loves Iron Brew in Scotland, so uh, should we try making it with beer? And the, yeah, the result is it sells out immediately. And they definitely sold it on the right night, Burns Night. Mm, yeah. You can have your neeps and tatties and a pint of Iron Brew beer. Yeah. Mm. I like Too it. I, I love a bit of haggis. Beautiful. Uh, uh, Take it, leave it. Yeah. Yeah, that may offend a few people, but so the um, the idea is that this is a, they are a sour brew company, is what Vault City is known for. Mm. Um, and Iron Brew's version, their Iron Brew sour is not the first kind of experimental beer. They're known for their kind of quite fun experimental yeah. beers. Would you boys try a cheeky Vimto version? I would. Oh, I would try. A I would. Vinto. I would try a cheeky vinto version because I still remember being in Weatherspoons mm. and buying pictures of cheeky yeah. vinto before hitting Tramp's nightclub dance floor. <laughs> we mentioned um, Tramp's nightclub yeah. as, in a recent episode. This is a Worcester establishment. Oh yes, think, yeah. It's it? a hallmark yeah, okay. of Worcester. Um, I, I think. There was just use of the phrase at Tramp's Night Out, and I didn't quite understand at first what, what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's, it's yeah. a nightclub, okay. Yeah, because if, if most tramps probably spend most nights out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, that's great. So I see what you did there. <laughs> so, and then so the other beer that they've done and they're uh, well known for is their Ribena Session Sour. You know what? All of these beers sound great. Like mm. you hear it some collaboration sometimes, and you're like, "Oh, I don't know, I don't know." Every single one of these, I would drink. Yeah, quite uh, happily. Well, I think maybe these guys are they kids at heart by any chance? Ribena, Iron Brew, Vimto. Yeah. Um, what's next? Fizzy sherbets or something? That's they're it. All, they're they're all... tapping into our childhood, aren't they? Yeah. Really. All their previous ones were purple based as well. Yeah. Yeah. So now they've gone orange. No. So you see a change of experimental. Yeah. On. Well, I've got a quote here from uh, Stephen Smith Hay, who's the the co-founder of Vault Brewing, uh, and he said that you know that we've created our Iron Brew Sour to pay homage to a drink that we truly love, and the demand is huge. I mean, that is the understatement of the century. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to be sure. And he says that it's a, a particularly special uh, for Vault City because it's the first time they've ever been released in cans. Um, so before they've always just it's like bottles. taps or bottles yeah. oh, perhaps but like this is the first time they've put it in cans um, so actually it's just more available readily available and accessible maybe you can make a lot more because it's cans mm. yeah you know what annoys me a little bit though is we have all these limited edition released beers like the cream egg one this iron brew one and stuff like that they just need to make more they sell out far too quickly and I, I, I get they're trying to build a hype and a buzz around mm. it and all that sort of stuff but I really want to try it. Really want to try it. Well, you're right, but then almost like to your point, it's kind of the the obscurity and the appeal of it is that it does isn't around for very long, yeah. and it's like you've got to get get there. I mean, like you were you were on the website for the the cream egg one, uh, and it was sold out within a couple of minutes, wasn't it? it was you know, second I was on there when it was meant to oh. come out. Scarcity, mate, drives the price up. That's it. Charge whatever you want. If everyone wants it and you've only got a few, yeah. price goes through the roof. Yeah. That's, it. That's basic supply and demand, yeah, isn't yeah. it, Matthew? <laughs> do, well, you do draw in your graph. You do demand is down, <laughs> supply to the sky. And then that's where you sit your, your selling point, your exactly, price point. Your exactly. Price yeah. So, yeah, anyway, 
I would like to try, I would have liked to have tried this iron brew, uh, sour. I'm not usually a sour fan, but that could be something definitely worth trying. It's balancing out right, because iron brew is high in sugar, right? Mm. So that would be my one concern, is mm. that it might be one or two iron brew sours before you need to uh, put on a lid on it. Put a lid on it. Well, as a, well, as a diabetic gentleman, maybe just a shot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Why don't we just buy one can between us? Yeah. And then we can try that. Be sorted. <laughs> Um, so, Rich, as you said, you're, uh, we're going to take a, a trip over to East West Brewing Co. in uh, Saigon, Vietnam. Yes. So, as, as throughout the podcast, we've tried a lot of Asian beers, but they have predominantly been lagers that we've tried. Very fizzy, very based. But the, quite, quite clean, quite crisp. Quite clean, quite I love crisp. a crisp lager. Love a crisp lager. Crisp. It's good with the, with the microphones, isn't it? Crisp. <laughs> Sorry, you're getting, you're getting full use of that pop yeah. filter right now. Oh, indeed, I am. <laughs> um, but the craft brewing scene over in Asia is definitely blowing up and becoming more and more predominant. I, um, I've been over to Asia a few times, not bragging. Um, and <laughs> That's just a fact. Yeah, <laughs> let's just remember who works in travel here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've been over to Asia a few times, and I've only ever. Um, come across lagers um, but my last trip because my sister was living over there at the time mm. um, on Christmas day um, she took she goes right Rich we're going to go out um, I'll, I'll set the scene a little okay, bit so do. Christmas day woke up um, as you do got really Quite excited warm I guess oh you it know, was like exceptionally warm sort of thing um, and my sister goes right we're going to go and get some stuff. I was like, that sounds good. So we go out. We go, I go and get some a nondescript stuff. Well, like, <laughs> already off to a good start. Well, you mean like things? Things, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Those things. So I went and got a custom suit fitted. Nice. So, okay. Really yeah. nice. So I went and got custom... What was what, custom suit? So this is like you go to a place. It's all full Tailors, of materials. Yeah. And I got to pick. So, so me and my sister doing research the night before for all the different suits. So my one's modelled off, um, off a Louis Vuitton suit. Ooh. So I got a nice blue check of Louis. Not, it's not Louis Vuitton, but modelled on a Louis no, Vuitton suit. It. And it's all custom made. And I got it all measured out. And then she goes, right, we're going to go we're gonna go to a, a tap room. I was like, what? And so she takes us around the corner. And there is this, um, there's a tap room. And there's all of these Vietnamese craft beers that have been brewed all up and down Vietnam. And they're mm. all in this one place. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And so we're in there. And I'm sampling all these different IPAs. Um, some stouts and everything like that and it's just absolutely phenomenal and she goes the fun's not going to stop there and she takes me to East West Brewing um, which was a big old so you know we see all these big fancy new brewery and tap rooms that have popped up all over the UK mm. like Salt Brewery Siren and everything like yeah. that Yeah, it's very reminiscent of something like that you would find in a western place big old distilleries mm. really nice fancy restaurant yeah. big, big gleaming vats big I gleaming think vats. Oh, yeah. it's like an old industrial warehouse you now know, a lot of beards a lot, a lot of beards, beards people <laughs> people and the, the place hats 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 hats, 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 hats you yeah. could expect to see um, everyone's in a checkered shirt it's <laughs> <laughs> Skinny jeans. A couple of greyhounds walking yeah, around. Yeah. <laughs> I even saw one man in three hats. Yeah. <laughs> Call um, him Johnny Three Hats. Yeah. But, um, but, but the place was full of expats. So people who okay. were either living or working over there or full of Western So I'm thinking US, English, yeah, Australian. Australian. All that sort of thing. And it's this big craft brewery and it's absolutely full of pat. And then this is where I tried East West Brewing for the first time. And I don't know why I didn't bring any of it back with me. So my sister flew back finally. And I was like, can you bring me some Vietnamese craft brew so we can do it on there? And she brought us East West Brewing. 
Um, and we've got three of them to try today. And we're very glad that she has done, actually. So what have we got here? We've got Far East IPA. Yeah. We've got a, a Saigon Rose. Yeah. Um, and the East West Pale Ale. I think you were about to uh, discover one of your own there. A, a Saigon Saison has got to happen at that some has point, to. doesn't it? Has to. I'm not surprised they haven't made that yeah, already. Whether it works or not, I have no idea, but the name alone. <laughs> but it actually, a Saison or the new take on a crafty Saison is very on, on, on trend right now. So they, you know, I'm sure there'll be one. But I mean, looking at the cards, because we poured these out into, uh, into glassware for sharing. And, you know, they are the, the colours that you can imagine. Like, a, the IPA is kind of quite an, a, an auburny, maybe even orangey, yeah. kind of like, kind of deep colour. Uh, the pale ale is obviously a, a step-down tone from that one, a bit lighter, but still quite orangey, yeah. auburny. And then the, the Saigon Rose is this, uh, or Rosé even, actually, yeah. how they pronounce it, because it's got the little inflection off the off the mm-hmm. E, um, is more kind of deeper red, I suppose. But, yeah, it's, it's an interesting... The liquid looks like it should do. This is all genuine as well. We have to actually um, find adjectives of our own because the labels are in Vietnamese, so we can't steal it. We have to, <laughs> we have to say what we think. Um, Although I'm quite hoping that someone will do a bit of a Google Translate on some of this. And, and yeah. as, as Google Translate does it, it will be particularly bad uh, translations. So, okay, well, I'll read this out yeah. from the from the, the East. This is the East-West Pale Ale. Are we just discovering that I also have just been looking at the wrong side of the label? Uh, <laughs> I right. think so. <laughs> well, it's an opportunity for you to practice your Vietnamese, right? Um, let's not get into that. Yeah. <laughs> so they say on the label for the um, the East-West Pale Ale, with inspirations from both sides of, our, of the world, our award-winning flagship East-West Pale Ale provides a perfect balance of English malts with Australian and American hops. This delightfully crisp and handcrafted ale is the Toast of Saigon. Mm. And so, that, that award you, you mentioned, I believe the World Beer Awards 2018, 2019 won a bronze, I think. I think each of them were nominated, um, uh, having had a look at... Um, Having a look, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I think that was the one that, that won rather than uh, was was nominated. So the pale ale won the bronze. The bronze, yeah. So I was trying to dig in a little bit more about you know the craft because you think craft beer obviously it's huge around the world. Obviously we've we've got a spotlight right now on Vietnam, yeah. Um, and I'm amazed to see actually how sophisticated. Not that I wouldn't think that they would be sophisticated for any other reasons other than when you think craft beer, you think Western nations, yeah. right? Whereas actually, of course, it makes perfect sense that there's going to be um, you know, breweries and craft brewers all around the world with a, a fantastic level of sophistication uh, for how they deliver this. So I was intrigued because Vietnam has got actually a very long-standing history with beer. Okay. So, so it's you know Vietnam, you know, with their reputation for beer, there's a, there's an, a bit of an urban legend that when Vietnamese draft beer arrived in the late 1800s. Patrons were so wild that bartenders had to protect themselves by collecting money from inside tiger cages. Wait, wait, what? What? <laughs> so people wanted beer so badly. Draft beer. Draft beer. The bartender had to lock himself in a tiger. Was it? Was it? Was the tiger still in there? Because it was less dangerous to be with the tiger than it was to be with the people wanting the beer. I'd like to think that, but I'm sure they removed the tigers <laughs> and they just happened to be tiger cages that they were inside. So like the bartender was serving or collecting money from inside these empty cages. It's really not a complicated concept, but I don't understand. <laughs> so, so, it was like mobs of people wanting yeah. beer that badly the, the bartender was serving... Had, had to basically be behind bars behind to protect... Bars. He's basically oh, okay. like a bank teller. 
Uh, right, put himself you. behind his oh, thing okay. so that you yeah, can't yeah. get to hit the, the okay. bartender when he's collecting money. Yeah. I just like people kept their money in cages. <laughs> <laughs> it's the safest place. It's really not. Yeah. No, don't no know tigers are the bankers of the yeah. of the Vietnam. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, okay. Oh, I understand that. So um, to give more context to this as well, so Vietnam actually drinks about forty billion liters each year of beer, uh, which ranks second in Asia, just behind Korea. Uh, but until recently, most of those 40 billion litres were almost de- uh, definitively Bio Hoi, Vietnam's iconic featherweight lager. Cheap, easygoing, available on every fluorescent street corner. Because I'm sure yeah. Vietnam's very colourful, you can attest to oh, that. Yeah. Um, and with a flavour profile that you can count uh, on one finger. Um, but it obviously seems that craft is turning the tide in Vietnam. Hmm. I, th- I think what I really liked about when I was in Vietnam and drinking beer out there, because it is so hot, nothing beats an ice cold beer on, on a hot day. So mm-hmm. you would sit in these little cafes and what they would do is they would stick a crate of beer next to your table mm. and then you would just help yourself to the beer sort of thing and then they would charge you how much for you had. how much you'd had that thing. But because it's incredibly hot out there so what they would do you would have massive chunks of ice in your beer glass that you put so we're talking like fist like a fist sized bit of ice in your beer glass and that's how you drink the beer so it is ever so slightly watered down but that's how they keep their beer cool and that and that's how you're meant to drink it so and that's that traditional lager beer that you're saying yeah, you're yeah. okay so not the craft stuff no, no. this was yeah. well as the craft as you, if you painted that picture before it's all coming out of tap room oh, yeah. it's that tap kind of tap room yeah. experience as you as you would walk into any tap room yes, it's that yeah. kind of experience so I, I'm actually intrigued to know a bit more about why craft beer has got and when craft beer really started to kind of hit home in Vietnam. But Matt, have you got kind of a? I will out? tell you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> since since you want it so desperately, <laughs> early two thousands, basically. Okay. You mentioned earlier on about the high <clears throat> or the prominence of expats, excuse me, uh, in in Vietnam, um, early two thousands. Um, so I mean, it took a while to bed in, like the the local microbreweries that you mentioned. Um, where it's sort of starting to get founded 2015-ish. Okay. Um, That's quite a gap, like 15 yeah, years. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, although I suppose it wasn't... You think back, I, I mentioned that in the early 2000s. I mean, I did have not quite had such a, um, a knowledge of craft beers by that point. I was quite young by, by that point as well. <laughs> but what actually started the kind of influence over there was um, Czech imports. Oh, uh, arriving, okay. Uh, arriving in, in Saigon. And that just got them trying things from... Um, you know, uh, from Europe, basically. And mm. I mean, I don't think of Czech beers necessarily as craft ones. You think of the Pilsner, yeah, don't you, t- it, typically yeah. speaking? Well, but... we did Star Parman recently, and yeah. the history of behind Pilsner yeah. and Czech Republic yeah. beers is definitely in that age-old. But that, yeah. it seems, was the catalyst in the early mm. 2000s, the Czech beers, which I dare say were really popular with the expats that sort of gave it the impetus, because you'd imagine if it just sort of made its way out there over on on, on its own, these mm. Czech beers, that they might not get the uptake. But because there were probably those expats over there, I mean, we're speculating a little bit here, but that explained their initial uh, popularity that then sort of morphed and evolved into um, into the craft team. Well, now you've mentioned Czech imports, and it doesn't obviously specify specifically, oh, it's different types of pilsners coming over, mm. which I'm sure will be part of it. Mm. But as imports, it could also mean things like Czech hops. It could mean like yeah. raw ingredients yeah. coming over, mm. which of course, you know, craft beers like put up on a pedestal, how important trialing and, and having, but... Getting the right raw materials. The, getting the right and trying different raw <clears throat> ingredients. So maybe that's also had something to play here. Mm-hmm. So what I... 
I was going to dive into a little bit more about the history, but a bit more of the history about the East West Brewing Company mm. itself. Mm. Um, so this started, it was about 10 years or so mm. ago that they, um, it was a chap named Lock. I'm going to really apologise if I once again butcher the <laughs> pronunciation of these names. Back yourself, mate. You're going to yeah, nail it. You've got so this. Yeah. It was a gentleman called Lock Trung, was born in Vietnam, mm. um, but then raised and educated in the US. Oh, um, okay. And he met um, a California native called Steve... Gutierrez, is that? I can't pronounce that. Gutierrez. Gutierrez. Yeah, Gutierrez. Steve Gutierrez. Um, and they both attended university and they kind of both had a liking for craft beers and everything like that. Um, Lok Trung then went back to the Vietnam because he had an idea um, that involved yogurt. It didn't really go into much more detail. Look, we, we've all had them, let's be honest. <laughs> there was basically a gap in the market with something to do with yogurt. So he phoned, up his, he phoned up his friend Steve and was like, I've got an idea about yoghurt. Um, Steve was like, say no more. Yeah. <laughs> okay, have we done a bit of doing it? Is, is it still a mystery as to it's, what it's the, the yoghurt problem yeah, yeah. is? Uh, but there, there was something to do with yoghurt in Vietnam and there was an opportunity. And that never really took off. I'm still waiting for the punchline. Here, but <laughs> apparently this is true. Uh, but yeah, which, which, which I quite like. Um, that there was an idea. He went, um, to his, he went to Mr. Gutierrez and said, right, Come on now, right? Yogurt, Vietnam. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> Step one, yogurt. Step two, Vietnam. Step three, profit. profit. <laughs> um, but yes, this this yogurt plan never materialised and never kind of blew up. But in the end, it was a damn did, shame. They did. They did start talking about craft brewery, and this is where East West Brewing kind of born from. There, and there was a great statement that was. Mr. Gutierrez put, it's so much better to launch a brewing together than a yogurt shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. I would have a lot more fun. I mean, yeah. like, don't get it, that, that is definite proof, though, that just because you have what might not turn out to be the greatest idea to start off with, mm. you should probably still persevere. Yeah. But also, as well, like, I, I guess, like, that, not to, there is a big leap between yogurt and brewing. I'm not denying that. <laughs> yeah. But actually, the idea of culturing, growing something, fermenting, you know, there's there's a bit of cross cross idea here and maybe there was, might have been some equipment that he yeah. might have purchased for his yogurt enterprise which could be transitioned into the brewing world yeah. but um but i think it's a really really east west brewing feels like a good company i've, I've visited the brewery myself mm. and it's a really nice answer they employ up to 30 people that because they've got a restaurant there mm. um predominantly all locals from the vietnamese region and one of the um people his name is trung, trung da um, is currently training to be the first master brewer in Vietnam. So he'll be the first Vietnamese master brewer in Vietnam, which would be... That's a bit of an accolade, isn't an it? An absolute yeah. massive accolade sort of thing. And kind of, that's just putting craft brewing in Vietnam on the map and well, kind of pushing pu- pushing it forward. Well, it sounds like, you know, there, there's a... There's been a bit of a spearhead, right? We're talking about different times of, you know, there's always been a brewing culture in Vietnam and a bit of drive and a push. And there's always been a lot of beer, quite literally drunk, 40 billion litres is no no small yeah. amount. Um, you know, and then now we've got this next resurgence of craft beer and that's how, where that's going and growing. So it does feel like Vietnam is like a kind of a growing space. Mm-hmm. And this next level of the first master brewer from Vietnam, yeah. just kind of then rounding that off with the validation and, you know, the kind of the substance behind, you know, what's actually happening on the yeah. ground. I mean, it's, of course, I think a bit, you know, further behind some of the other nations, but it just means that they are benefiting from other countries and where they've gone. And mm-hmm. as we've said, I think openly on this, that the craft brewing industry as a whole seems to be quite collaborative. Yeah. Um, you know, it sounds like they've, they're getting some some pointers and some input um, as well, as, as well as doing it in a very 
Vietnamese craft way. Oh, yeah. Testament to the man himself. Should we talk about the stuff in the glass? Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. We should yeah. probably talk about the taste. So, oh, yeah, sorry, Brad. I was going to start with the uh, Saigon ro- Rose or Rosé. Mm. Um, you poured that out, uh, Rich, before I even sort of had a good look at it. I think what I said to you, what didn't I? was like, oh, it's going to be grapefruity. Um, yeah. It isn't. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's a very interesting drop. I, again, equally, I don't know why the colour led me down this... Um, uh, root, but I thought it was going to be really sweet. Mm. But actually, I'm I'm not getting too much sweetness at all. It's that kind of I do get I do get the the raspberry, which is apparently in there as well. But um, oh, I can I can show there is raspberry in there. Yeah. Look at the yeah. bottom. There's a lot of raspberry There's sediment sediment at the yeah. bottom of there. I'm always encouraged when I see sediment because I'm I sort of like to me that's one of those little nods to yeah it's got like genuinely got yeah. stuff in it. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I mean they said the aroma is fresh berries. Yeah, I mean it's quite literally got berries in it. Mm. Very floral. Um, mm. It's only three percent ABV. Yeah. So that was quite interesting. So almost like I guess a kind of a different take on a on a light beer, isn't yeah. it? I can't help but think that is a little bit also to kind of almost make it a little bit more manageable when you are in a hotter climate, right? Yeah. Well, you're insane that because the the pale ale is six percent and the IPA is six point seven percent. So they're that more traditional ABV yeah. levels for the beers that they are. Uh, put my hands up about being totally led by the um, the awards and the plaudits it got, but that East West Pale I think is really nice. Yeah, really yeah. nice. Absolutely. Really I mean, out of the two, if I'm comparing the the, the, the ales, I'm mm. I'm more leaning towards the the IPA actually, oh. just because it's more kind of a. How dare you! <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to have different opinions. We on can this. still be friends, actually, can't we? No. Oh. But I quite enjoy it. Like this, it's it's got that more maltiness, and I think I lean more towards the maltiness and, and sides um, when I'm looking for like kind of an, a, an ale. The the pale ale is delicious. Um, obviously, it's an award winner as well, so that kind of goes without saying that it tastes good. Um, but yeah, so I, think... I don't, I don't even need to argue my case. <laughs> no, I just, I feel for me like actually, I quite enjoy the more kind of passion fruit, harder, harder hitting that you get with the the IPA. Actually, a bit more full of flavour for me. I think I've genuinely enjoyed all three of these beers. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good cross section of what they have to offer. 